Welcome to the Omni 52 podcast. I am Joe Schrimmer. And as always, I have my co-host, Caleb Bunn, over here. Howdy, howdy. And we talk about comics on this podcast. I've, I've said the same thing the past three times because we, we, we stay in the 2010s. <laughs> From new and old to one particular time period to all new. <laughs> to, to those that are all different. To those that are new 52. <laughs> and everything in between and outside of. Uh, this week, we will be discussing volume four of the new 52 run of Green Arrow. The Kill Machine by Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. Yes, Jeff Lemire, pretty well regarded writer. Green Arrow, pretty popular, like B level hero. Yeah. The first three volumes of New 52 Green Arrow. Apparently, not very good, is what I hear. I uh, scoured the internet uh, for suggestions when I was picking a green arrow book to get to get because i wanted to do green arrow and i was like well new 52 was a good jumping on point um rebirth not so much for certain things let's ask the internet oh internet told me stay away from volumes one through three <laughs> but volume four is good and it's basically its own thing so you didn't have to worry about one through three i mean it's a back to basics type origin not origin story but tying into the origin yeah which i think is a pretty tropey way not in a bad way just a tropey way of starting a new run of comics yeah i mean there's worse ways to do it yeah yeah i will i will take a decent origin uh tie-in to a bad event <laughs> to a good event how about that <laughs> I'll, I'll take it to a good event yeah well yeah i agree with that for the most part <laughs> yeah do you have any history with uh the green arrow and his in anything? No, you know, he's a he's one of these characters who I've been wanting to get into for a while, especially the um the stuff with Green uh Green Lantern that I think George Perez wrote that. Um but that's because that's like the socially conscious Green Arrow that I think is, I would gravitate mm-hmm. towards. But other than that, I really just know him from either Justice League comics that he's he appears in or from the animated yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's usually team based stuff yeah. that I'm used to him in. Uh, I watched Arrow, but that's a Batman show. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I kind of don't associate Arrow with Green Arrow. I mean, they're completely different characters. It's completely different characterizations and characters. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense because they couldn't do a Batman show at the time. So uh, they still can't. Well, Gotham Knights is happening. You know what's happening in that show? Batman's dead. <laughs> Batwoman was a show. Guess what? Batman's gone. <laughs> Oh, they're spinning off some TV shows from the Batman. Wait, none of them have to do with the Batman. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can't have the Batman on the small screen, only the big screen and Titans. Yes. Oh my word. How they got him on Titans is. Oh, he's never in a suit. That's how it's just Bruce Wayne. Anyway, enough about things that aren't the kill machine. Let's talk about the kill machine. Yeah. A little synopsis. I mean, it's very simple. Green Arrow has a new bad guy that's a uh, kind of got him one upped in every situation, and he's got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Komodo, he's he's lost Queen Industries. He is wanted by the police, and it, he keeps cutting to Mesa, Arizona. So and talking about the island, yeah, and talking that, about the island, the good old island. I bet I could still quote the intro to Arrow, but after five years in hell five years on a hellish island but let's not forget that eventually the komodo stuff ends 
and we get Count Vertigo. Baby. We get a whole issue of Count Vertigo. I mean, I guess he had to be a villain for someone. No Green Arrow in sight. This is just Vertigo Origins. Uh, yeah, good old special Count Vertigo issue number 23.1, which I guess is part of the Green Arrow run, but it's a Count Vertigo solo issue. Who knows? Yeah, Why? who knows? But yeah, that's it's really simple. Yeah, uh, which I think, you know, for a B-lister who does not have his goatee currently, it's, uh, you know, set the stakes. And this would be when the show's going on, right? Uh, yeah, show have been going on for a little bit at this point, probably. So probably at the peak. That's probably of why this. he looks like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely the, the peak of the show. Yeah, and by we mean looks like this, dark, gritty, and more. Most importantly, no goatee and short hair. That too. Yeah, and That's short hair. Thing. Yeah, and they also. I don't know if John Diggle was a character in the comics before this. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's was original to the TV show, but he shows up at the very end of this, and it's supposed to be a big deal. Interesting. So let's go into the art. Caleb, I love this artwork. I was really wondering. It threw me off at the beginning because there's a lot of panels where people have faces and no features on faces. <laughs> Melty faces, yes. But then, oh my lord, it is so beautiful for the rest of the book. And most of all, consistent. Oh, Andrea Sorrentino is never not drawing it. There is a consistent vision throughout. It does have melty faces. You get used to that. And what he's able to do with perspective in this, like it is not just your typical flat background characters in the foreground. Like if this is a camera, he's moving it everywhere he can. And he's color grading it as stylistically as possible. It is beautiful. Panels within panels in really cool ways to like emphasize focus in certain spots. Great spreads that like justify being a spread. Yeah. Which I love Bagley. He doesn't do it half the time. No, no. Well, he he does it because he has to fit all of Bendis' words in there. (laughs) Yeah, no, the art is definitely a strong suit of this comic and um, I'm not sure how long he sticks around on this but like this is definitely would become a trademark of the of the book if he stuck around for a while and I don't think I can sing enough praises about that they're there every single issue this was monthly to my knowledge why can't other books keep an artist around for a month at a time I I don't I don't understand it I mean, it depends on the artist. It depends on their workload. There's worse quality art that like will like not be there for, from a month to month basis. That's why I don't. Some artists are just quicker, I guess. But also, I would assume just based off of this art, this guy was drawing probably no other, nothing else for the big two. I'm. Oh, it looks so good. <laughs> unless this is just like unless this is just his passion style, and he's really good at drawing house. Uh, other comics don't usually look like this coming out of DC. No, it's. It's a surprise because you see the cover of this. It's a generic battle pose of Green Arrow. And then you get in and there's nothing generic about it from that point on. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very much in line with a style that you see in indie comics a lot. And I think it's a style that you see in some of Jeff Lemire's other books, even in his, uh, to a much lesser extent, his Hawkeye run. But it's, it's still, that's not to detract from it. It's still to say it, finds a very unique and cool place within the big two. Yeah, I didn't expect to like it as much as I did. And then I was just gushing over every page as I kept going. Yeah, I was really worried that you wouldn't like it. So, yeah. And, and I think you like it more than me. So, 
we'll get into that. <laughs> I, I, there's places to go with that. Do you want to start off on our positive section? Yeah. I think these issues are paced incredibly well. I was reading through these very quickly, and I don't think that's because there's not a lot of like story there or a lot or like sparse dialogue. I think it's, you know, a normal amount that you would get in any comic. But I just think that between the art and between the writing, there's a really quick and exciting pace to everything. That's interesting. I wholeheartedly disagree. <laughs> really? Yeah. I I think it's kind of a slog. Huh. Yeah. Do you want to get into that now or get into it in negatives? Yeah, we'll get into that in negatives, but okay. I didn't want to like lose the thought while I had it. I've gushed about the art, um, but I really think I, re- I want to gush about it a little more. I really think the art is what kind of, although I do think it is a slog, pay, like keeps the momentum going. You're, you know, it's a bow and arrow. There's only so many things you can do with it, but they, it, they manage to show just very creative ways and, you know, dynamic action and all this mm-hmm. good stuff. The action in this is very good. And it's a very action centric uh, couple of issues. There's not much, not a lot of downtime. There's almost always Komodo's coming back in for a, for like a round two. And it's like, you can't beat me, Arrow. There are, there are consistent stakes to everything. I think that's a big part. And like you said, the art really does sell a lot here, especially with the movement of arrows. Like I said, the perspective earlier on, this does feel like a book that is trying to make the archery as exciting as possible, mm-hmm. um, which is always important because it could just be there's a panel where he's holding the boat, or holding the arrow. <laughs> and there's, there's one where it's flying. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, that's it. But no, this definitely does feel uh feel like there is a really good sense of action. I think the action also feels like it's it's gritty, but not in a like we're showing blood for the sake of blood kind of way. Like it's appropriate stakes and appropriate uh like outcomes of violence due to the stakes. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the time it's lopsided on either way. Like you it's like the stakes are supposed to be high, but you never really see your heroes getting scarred or there, there's just an unnecessary amount of violence and it doesn't seem like there are any stakes but there's just like an a over gorification because rah, blood is a selling point. There's a character at the end of this that's introduced and I think she's a fun wrinkle into everything. I think she's really cool in the action scene. She's a real asset there. Um, and she's one of these characters who comes in and in some ways is much better than Oliver at action and at shooting and stuff like that but it doesn't feel like they're trying to make her better to justify her being in there she just feels naturally like oh this person has been doing this longer yeah it all all of her feels competent but at the same time he doesn't and i don't know if because i know he's not like proper green arrow yet but it, it's it's hard to tell because i can't <laughs> i can't tell if it like i don't know about volumes one, volumes one through three i don't know if they were like are kind of leading up to this or if this was a year zero kind of thing where halfway through the run they were taking a step back to tell a different story but i like i like oliver he's not the charming guy we kind of expect him to be but he has a certain level of uh every manning qualities that i find endearing hmm. we'll revisit all of our <laughs> negatives yeah now i'm sure we're, we're singing praises right now uh I think we're going to have a lot of negatives, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If we're in line. Do you have anything else in terms of positives? Uh, Count Vertigo was not as lame as he could have been. (laughs) And honestly, that's a big achievement for a character like Count Vertigo. 
from a character where you just need to not like take some anti-nausea medicine. Yeah, just and... take some Dranamine and you're good. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's shoot a bow and shoot an arrow and pew, over into negatives. I did it. What a transition. Uh, you certainly tried. What a transition. You want to pick up the pacing? Yeah. Okay, so the first four issues of this seven issue trade, which it's it's a meaty trade, are the Kill Machine arc, which is Oliver versus Komodo. I enjoy the action in this, but by God, is it the same thing every issue? Oliver's on the back burner. Komodo's got the upper hand. They fight. Oliver gets messed up. Flashback to the island and Mesa, Mesa, yeah, Arizona. Arizona. It gets so repetitive. <laughs> It is so repetitive. I think that's true. I, I like the pacing of individual issues, but I never read an issue back to back. Oh, yeah. I was trying to because it, I knew it, we were coming up. Much lengthier reading process for this one. More, issue, more issues than we normally do in a trade this size and just it's kind of a slower read. So I was trying to read a little faster. and Man, did it get old in, uh, in a binge. I think that plays into one of my big negatives, which is just everything here is really generic. Yeah. Um, especially the opening, he storms into the like his the guy who's running Queen Industries, and it but it's just the most dramatic and generic conversation about it's like you sold this company up from under me. You're not the f- man your father wanted to be. Yeah. I tried to raise it's, and then Komodo is a super generic uh, bad guy. The dialogue here really doesn't work. I don't like a lot of the supporting cast because they feel just mm-hmm. very like stock. Same. Um, it's one of those things where I can see the seeds to a much better story here. And I'm guessing that's where Lemire takes it because this is such a well-regarded award-winning run. But right now, honestly, after reading this, I'm kind of in an Invincible Volume 1 space where I'm like, why is this so well-regarded? I'm in a much better space because they're... Invincible did not have good writing nor good art. This at least has good art. It's, it's, it's like uh, when we read that Domino issue where we're like, oh, Gail Simone. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, Jeff Lemire, I've heard this name. Why? Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, it's unfortunate for me because I've read Jeff Lemire writing another superhero whose thing is a bow and arrow yeah. before. <laughs> uh, yeah, his everything, <laughs> nothing about the writing is like amazing nor would i call it even good <laughs> in this it's all very basic i'd say the good writing here is like the structure and like the stuff the stuff that you don't read on the page yeah okay it's the stuff behind it but the dialogue nah rough <laughs> yeah it, it's all the characters at their most boring all the characters at their most cw <laughs> yeah oh man i really don't like oliver here there are enough angsty superheroes in the world there are enough angsty superheroes in dc mm-hmm. i want my oliver to have a, a dumb little goatee and to be and to be joking around he's got trick arrows at least yeah he does have trick arrows that's why that's why i'm like where in the where in oliver's journey is this he's got trick arrows but he's still he's not he's really moody still well yeah and like and to be fair the story is super moody i don't feel like you could do an origin story like tie into his origin mm-hmm. and it'd be a good time yeah because the island <laughs> be cracking is, jokes and the, i i I'll be honest, I don't like the island. I think the island's silly. <laughs> I think the CW show ruined that for me. Um, even though I didn't watch it, just the hearing island is about very silly. Yeah. So it's worse I than know. the show because they keep having to justify its existence. Yeah. Uh, like the writing, I can see the seeds of the character I want here hasn't paid off yet. 
I had such a hard time telling who was who. Komodo shows up, and there's such style to it. But man, if you weren't telling me it's Komodo, I wouldn't know it's him every yeah. single time. It could just be a bunch of like foot ninjas from Ninja Turtles that are like attacking. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, this is how unsure I am about it. Komodo is the man with no eyes. No. Okay, that's yep, Magus. <laughs> no, that's Magus. Magus is... Uh, <laughs> He worked for the Outsiders, which is also confusing because there's a superhero team named the Outsiders. No. <laughs> and Komodo is trying to become an Outsider, but then Magus betrayed them, which is also weird because there is a character named Simon Magus, and I'm pretty sure this guy's first name is... Komodo's first name is Simon. But Simon <laughs> Magus is also a Justice League villain, so this is confusing in a lot of ways. I just thought of a character from Kill a Kill who has the exact same design when he stitches his eyes closed. He just has like X's over his yeah. eyes where I'm like, that's that's not how scars work. <laughs> You'd still have like eye holes. Yeah. No, Komodo's just generic dude and he has a daughter. Yeah. Count Vertigo is the, ba- the villain for the back half of this. <laughs> Listen, they really try. They do really try. But it's Count Vertigo. Count Vertigo is like uh, he's like Doctor Doom. If they tried to play Doctor Doom straight, yeah, Doctor Doom doesn't make sense as a political leader. Yeah, neither does Count Vertigo. But they're really trying to sell him as one. Well, they're doing a different thing where he like I don't know what the origin of his powers is, but he's got like a dot on his forehead that's like bloody and has some magical semblance. Well, it's I think it's I think it's the same thing in uh, Young Justice where. It's like a headband. That oh, is it? Admit it? Yeah, but this, it's just, it's ingrained into his brain. Oh. I think. I don't, it's Count Vertigo. <laughs> I don't honestly care that much. Well, it's also, this writing, like, doesn't leave a lot of room for, like, the most, it's very basic, yet it doesn't straight out give you the most basic facts. I guess it makes sense because, like, you know, they are, and I think they say this, is, like, he's taking away their ability to aim. Ultimately, that doesn't really pay off i guess i was defeated yeah i guess i guess it kind of would but i feel like there needs to be more space between him and komodo yeah i mean it's nice pacing in terms of like oh action keep you keep you engaged but there, there's no breathing room clock king is in this very weird is he <laughs> yeah he's the black gangster he's clock king uh don't know why that's their version <laughs> of clocking. Not bad either. Just like he's there to get killed off. So yeah, yeah, which is very different and very odd. Does this get you interested in Green Arrow stuff? I mean, I would still probably rather go back to the older Green Arrow stuff. You know, it is one of those things where I like Jeff Lemire, and even here, like we talked mostly about negatives because I think those are the most interesting stuff to dig into here, but. If there were a couple more issues in this trade, I would have gladly read them. Mm. Um, I wouldn't prioritize reading more of this, yeah. but I wouldn't be opposed. Yeah, it's it's weird. I don't think we've ever had necessarily a book like this on the show yet, where I think we have like some. There's great positives, but the negatives don't necessarily even outweigh it. But they hold it so equal to the positives where they detract just as much as the positives yeah. give. I really don't think we've had a book like that. I mean, I can't I know remember. We've, done, we've done over 50 <laughs> episodes, but... Or at least not one where we were united so in that criticism. Yeah. yeah. I came into this expecting Jeff Lemire. Show me something. 
wow, Andrea Sorrentino, man, you got me interested in you. I really want to check out their art and other books just to see like what it's like. Yeah. I, I, they would also be a person where if they just did like uh, non-comic art, I'd be interested in that too. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know that it would work in like a book that's not so action oriented. I think the structure really lent itself to them. Yeah, no, in ways that like other writers maybe couldn't do. Yeah, no. And I, I think I would guess that they're aware of this. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's probably why the editors put them on here. And if so, good job editors. But I mean, it it all goes back to the artist, right? And the colorists, the colors are really good here too. Oh yeah. So don't want to, uh, discount from them uh that might have been one of our most in-depth yet short episodes at the exact same time i guess like uh i'm sure if i had just finished reading this i would have some more nitpicky criticisms but i think we hit all the big stuff yeah it's it's a recommend for me like it's a recommend with caveats yeah with caveats yeah. yeah i mean every book we do on here is kind of a recommend of like check it out for yourself but this one i'm like i think a lot of people can get good stuff out of this yeah it's definitely up there with some of the new 52 stuff I've read. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best new 52 stuff we've read on the podcast. Oh, wait, was the Harley Quinn stuff new 52? Yes, it was. Oh, never mind. That stuff's better than this. Yeah. Well, that was also volume four. The best stuff from that is better than the best stuff. From yes. This, but, yeah. So enough, enough Green Arrow, enough Oliver Queen. Oh, one more nitpick. You know what my favorite uh, DC city is? Portland, Oregon, followed closely by Seattle <laughs> <laughs> and not Star City. Yeah. Yeah. Should we do our recommendations based off of this? Oh, I completely forgot about that. Um, Yeah, if you got recommendations, I do not. Yeah, I don't have the exact issue numbers, um, but they should be pretty easy to find because this is recent stuff. Joshua Williamson's run on Batman. If you want a back-to-basics type story where a character is, you know, doing some stuff that's tied into their past continuity, but is, you know, has kind of the big flashy stuff stripped away. Mm -hmm. Joshua Williamson does that pretty well. With his stuff. I guess Court of Owls is kind of the same thing. Like everything happened. Yeah. And it's fairly basic, but compelling. And obviously, jumping from Green Arrow to Batman, they're very similar characters. So, at least in this era. Yes. <laughs> they were sure trying to make them be. Uh, what do you have for me this week? This selection comes from the things Caleb has on his shelf, but hasn't had the chance to read <laughs> uh, category. We're going to be going uh, Wonder Woman Dead Earth. Yes, this the was, Black Label series. If I remember right, kind of an early Black Label series. Uh, not terribly early, but, you know, they were still getting uh, a foothold of non-Batman books. Yeah, and this was, some, this was something I literally know nothing about it. I just thought that the art looked cool, and it took me forever to actually find uh, the second issue. Yeah, they were hard to find. Yeah. I remember that. Uh, but luckily, I found them, and they've been sitting on my shelf. And now we'll actually, I'll actually get the chance to read them. Wait, have you still not read them? No, you just got them. I have so much stuff to read, Joe. You also just take a lot longer than me. I'm, I'm much more of a checklist person than you are. Where oh, I bounce around a lot. Yeah, I, I, I make sure to go through stuff. Which also, I read uh, concurrent, so mm-hmm. that definitely plays a part in that. But yeah, I'm super excited. Well, if you've enjoyed what we've had to say about Green Arrow, then feel free to. Email us at only52podcast at gmail.com with your thoughts and critiques. And you can also rate us on the podcast platform of your choice. Gets us up in the charts. More people can join in on the comic book goodness. We'll be back next week. Or just kidding. Two weeks. <laughs> I forget. We don't have as much of a buffer as we normally do. Or we're back to our original we're plan. We're back to a normal buffer. schedule. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, with Wonder Woman Dead Earth. See you then. Bye.